Hi, welcome to another episode of the Cyclecast. I'm here with my co- my name is the Loudon Hightower, and I'm here with my co-host Ronnie Tooth. Hey, what's going on? Living the dream, man. Sweet, sweet. I w- I wanted to thank everybody so much for the idea of just even tuning in, downloading, streaming. We're available on iTunes. We're um, available on Podcast Addict if you have a Android phone. Or um, any pretty much any other uh, podcasting app available. Um, this doesn't grow unless you tell your friends and friends tell their friends, and that's exactly what's been happening. And tell your mother. And tell your mother too. Your mother needs to know about this. <laughs> um, I forget. I think it was the OC Breakless race. I forget. It was one of the OC Breakless guys. Uh, he was trying to get us to interview his mom, and his mom was scared, you know. And his mom, he was like, "Yo, mom, that's Psycho Feed." You, yeah. <laughs> you didn't turn down Psycho Feed. Yeah, if you turned down. She was like, "I don't care." <laughs> awesome. But it was funny. But we thank you guys so much for the support, like the growth and the things that we've been able to do and pull off. We wouldn't have been able to do without you guys straight up. And so that's the truth. Boom. Who are we here with? We're here with our special guest. Our special guest is a very famous fixed gear rider. He came in from the Jacksonville, Florida area. Yep, Jacksonville, Florida. You're from Jacksonville, Florida? That's yeah. dope. I want to talk to you about Florida because Florida, there's a lot of crazy things that happen in Florida. Are you born and raised from Jacksonville? No, I've been there about 12 years now. Uh, Dude, that's good enough to see some wild shit. Okay. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so long story short, we're here with our uh, guest, Addison Zawada. He, he got first place in the SoCal fixed gear series race, the Heck Yeah Crit put on by Hector. A little bit of uh, some hiccups. We had to re- relocate courses. The fuzz was giving us some trouble. Oh, what happened about? Well, I was. It was my birthday in, on Sunday. Okay, yeah, yeah. you're out of town. We had sent in our fixie lawyer try and handle some stuff. It was his name, Ronnie Toe. It might have been Reggie or something like that. But uh, okay, basically the course we had lined up had a hairpin, and we had to roll one stop sign. So. I went up to the cops and was just saying, "Look, a lot of these kids, they're out here, um, came from rough areas, and instead of um, you know." gangbanging, getting into trouble, robbing liquor stores, all sorts of nonsense. They're out here racing bicycles, getting off the street, and then putting them right back on the street in the best way possible. So, like, can we adhere maybe to the the spirit of the law instead of the letter of the law? It's like, would you rather have them running a stop sign where we have somebody blocking traffic, or would you rather have them uh, causing a ruckus on the street? So... We moved over to a different course. Kind of got on the same page, Long Long Beast, Pleach. But How did we were, he take that when you he, had that when you said that to he, him? He uh, he was like, I really I can understand that. He's like, I believe in uh, adhering to the spirit of the law versus the letter. So what that means is like, okay. just the general idea of the law uh-huh. versus like adhering to every uh, dot and tittle is what they would say is like right. dotting your eyes and crossing your t's. Right, right, right. Um, so he was, he was very understanding, but I think we had already kind of committed to moving over to Hughes Park. So we moved over to Hughes Park, which is an industrial park area, um, was, what is it, north, northwest, just off the river trail. There's actually, um, a Thursday night world championship, as they so lovingly call it. Mm-hmm. Every, every group ride or practice race is always the world championships, like Wednesday Worlds, and it's in, like, Santa Clarita, or, okay. you know, the Rose Bowl is the Pasadena Tuesday, Thursday Worlds. Right, right, Which right. actually started up. So if you guys are looking for a fast group ride, um, every Tuesday, Thursday, uh-huh. halfway up the west side of the Rose Bowl in Lot K um, is the B group, which is actually the faster one. Okay. We didn't, we didn't want anybody to get butt hurt. Um, so the B group is the faster one, normally cat three and below. And the A group starts at the bottom side of the Rose Bowl, 555 on Tuesday, Thursday, 
5.55 p.m. Goes for 10 or 11 laps. I believe as the days get longer, we're going to be doing 11 laps. You're looking at 5K lap. Uh-huh. It's about 3.2 miles. You, um, so 30 to 33 miles of 27 mile per hour average for the faster group, B uh-huh. group. And normally around 23, 24 average. 23, 24. Yes. This is a great workout. Come out there, practice race. You ever done the bull, Edison? Wow. No, I haven't been out to the bull. I've been meaning to. Uh, unfortunately, my time is a little cut short here. And I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. running out. I leave next Tuesday. But I definitely okay. heard good things and would like to make it out before. I know some guys were relieved to see you win yeah. because that means uh, with you going back home, um, the points you earn for FUSAC basically just kind of disappear. <laughs> so they're happy to see you win versus somebody who's higher up in standings like uh, Willow or, or Caesar. Caesar. Um, let's see who else is up there. James Stalker of GLK. Yeah, right, right, that, right. That's always been my, my style is kind of, <laughs> you know, just shaking the pot a little bit. Slip and in and slip out. Disappearing afterwards. <laughs> disappearing in the mist. Leaving wondering, who was that guy? Who was that? <laughs> I saw he had Red Bull, man. He's a fixie pro. <laughs> Do you consider yourself a fixie pro? You're like, you're, I mean, you're with Red Bull. Tell us about that. Like, you got it all right now. You know what I mean? You're just loving the California sun. Even though you got the Florida sun, I think the California sun's a little better. Better, But, you know, from, let a, us know. from an actual sun standpoint, I actually like the sun in Florida a little bit better. But from Get like, out of here. Are you general, serious? Yeah, from a general vibe standpoint, I really like Southern California. Santa Monica sort of got my heart right now. Okay. <laughs> but I got all a right. lot of stuff going on in Florida. I got to sort of wrap up before I can make my way this way. You got to clean up love. those drug deals, dog. I get it. it fall in love every, Florida. <laughs> fall in love every 10 hey, seconds out here in SoCal. <laughs> every good story always starts with a Florida man, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so like the whole fixed gear, like professional fixie rider, whatever you want to call it, I guess technically I am. I'm sponsored by Red Bull and I, I do do this full time. Like I ride my bike full time, but I don't consider myself next necessarily a fixed gear professional i just want to call myself a professional cyclist because i don't just ride fixed gears i race bmx mountain bikes cyclocross road fixed gears if there's anything with two wheels and no motor i pretty much race it and i generally race it at at least an expert level that's sick (laughs) two wheels and no motor very nice two motors you got a twin pistons Mm -hmm. the uh, four quad system How long you so you've been in town for about a month or so, right? Yeah, just just under a month. Um, I, I came in on what was it, February twenty third. So mm-hmm. I'll be be here just a month. I leave next Tuesday on the twenty second. What have you been doing? You raced last Sunday, but before all that, what have you been just I, hanging out? Yeah, Red Bull headquarters is based here in Santa Monica, so they've got a really state of the art gym that's got all the crazy toys that you just can imagine they've got it all in their headquarters so i've been using that i I work out there on a religious daily basis (coughs) what sort of uh uh, what sort of facilities do they have yeah well it's they've got it's it's a really a really good gym like all the standard gym equipment but then they've got all these crazy things they've got probably my favorite toy right now is what they call the agaton which is essentially like a leg press Uh uh-huh but uh Whenever you come down on the stroke, mm-hmm. it actually doubles the weight. So you have two separate sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the left side, you've got, let's say, I usually put 145 pounds on the left side. That's for just the going up side. Okay. The other side comes down as well. Uh-huh. So if you put another 145 pounds on, mm-hmm. when you squat down or when you, you press down, you're now loading 290 pounds. Mm-hmm. Then when you hit the bottom, it releases 
and you're just pushing up on that 145. Mm -hmm. So you can work on a lot of weight coming down and really exploding fast on the way up. Wow. Which for what we do, you need a really strong but explosive muscle. So you mm -hmm. need to find that happy medium between the best of them. A really strong but explosive muscle, exactly. So you need really strong and explosive uh -huh. muscles. Uh -huh. Thank you. So they've got this machine called the Agaton, and that's exactly uh -huh. what it does. It allows you to build strength but explosive at the same time. And I was talking to the gym coordinator yesterday, and apparently it's only one of 30 in the entire world. I was about to say, I've ne I mean, I'm not a gym rat or anything like that, but the Agaton, never, that sounds like something Thor would use. It's, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what's funny is the gym coordinator kind of looks like Thor. Oh, my God. <laughs> a hammer, though. Yeah. He is nothing but a hammer. That's crazy. Always putting you in the worst position. Yeah. You're like digging you as deep as you can go. Right, and he right, just wants right. to go further. Does, it's great having uh -huh. that kind of facility. Other than that, they've got a lot of brain training games as well. So as everyone knows, and I will admit, last year was not my best year in the fixed gear crit world. I got caught in a crash in five, four out of five races last what? year. What? So it wasn't exactly my year. Uh huh. And these Only weren't just races. These were red no. Hook, yeah, I mean, these were hook, these were the, the cream of the crop. Uh, right. I crashed in three of the four red hooks because I didn't go to the fourth, and then uh -huh. I crashed in two of the wolfback races. Really? And it just was not my year. And proudly, I will say that none of those crashes were my fault. Right. I just wasn't able to avoid them. How does that feel though when you're just like, what the, f you know, like. What, what do you do? You know, you just it's, feel like you keep getting stifled. You, that's five races, you said? That's four, four out of five. Four yeah. out of five. But, I mean, that could, like, that could make somebody not want to ride bikes anymore. You know what I mean? You know, in the off-season, it really was. It, it was a mental drainer. Like, I know I had the fitness last year. Right. I mean, I obviously, I was the fastest American qualifier at all the three red hooks I did. Mm -hmm. Like, I, mm -hmm. I know I had the fitness last year, but I couldn't quite seal the deal. Uh -huh. I just, just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But right. it brought me back, and I sort of I, I revamped everything, and now I'm working a lot more on mental, my reaction time. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't worry. He's the gardener. He's going he's gonna to come and go. I don't – who knows what <laughs> days he shows up here. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, but keep yeah, going. So I, I've been working a lot on uh, reaction time, so hopefully I can react to those crashes sooner and oh, avoid them. Ooh, that's a good point. So we've got this, this game called the Synaptic Game. Okay. And it's basically this big LCD TV. I'm going to try and paint a picture for you guys. Okay. They've got this big LCD TV, and it's got all sorts of different games. And the, my favorite game right now is called Hand-Eye Coordination. Okay. So you're staring at the center of the screen, and there's blue dots that just randomly appear in all, all different spots on the screen, just one at a time. Okay. And you have to touch the, touch the blue dot for it to go away. You try and see how many of those dots you can touch in a minute. Really? Yep. And I finally beat... Our gym's record before it was held by uh, Dorian Elwin, which who is a pro skier, pro water skier. Oh, no kidding. Uh, okay. But he's just like insanely smart. He like almost perfect the SAT. Like he's just crazy smart. Right, 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 right. He just picks everything up really quickly. But I finally beat his score of 139 and put up 145 today. Did you take a picture of it and send it to him on Twitter or something? Oh, oh. It's, it's, on, it's on my Facebook page. Okay, it's, okay, it's okay, okay. So <laughs> I was dope. stoked on that. But yeah, basically, so. What that means is I was able to react and touch 145 dots in 60 seconds. So that's better than two dots a second. That's so it's crazy. Just like, like it's just fast, snap, 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 snap. Yeah, super fast uh -huh. the whole time. Um, 
Do they? You think there's something in these brand games? I, I really do. Um, it seems I, this is like a fairly new thing. Like if like I guess the only thing I I, I could say anything about brand games, and I've never gone to Lumosity.com, but that's the only thing I know. Like Lumosity's mm-hmm. like brand, you know, brain games, and if you want to just do that, like who knows? But that's the only oh, thing I've seen. Yeah, it's, it's it's. I mean, you get to work out your body every day. Like walking down the street, technically you're working out your body. Uh-huh. That's just natural. You have to figure out something that stimulates your brain, and I don't know exactly how much it's doing for me, but I do feel like my reaction is quicker. I've mm-hmm. always had naturally pretty quick reactions, okay. but if I can excel that just a bit. So one of the guys that works in the gym is like a, a physical engineer. Like okay. what he does is he creates systems to better your body, whether it's physical, mental, anything like that. He creates right. these systems. Like he's an engineer. That's what he does. Right. And he explained it to me. So you can't change the time it takes for light to get from the TV to your eye. Mm-hmm. You can't change how long it takes to get from your eye to your brain. Right. The only thing you can change is how fast your brain reacts to your hands. Really? Reaction yeah. time. Really? Reaction time. Okay. That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the only yeah, thing that you okay. can change in that scenario. Damn. So if you can rea- if you can change how quickly you react, that that's a huge thing. Right. Even if it's even if it's just a millisecond. A millisecond can make all the difference in the world when we're going 34 miles an hour. Or a dodging a bullet. People. Or dodging a bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going for the Matrix. I personally want to be able to dodge a bullet. Okay, yeah, that's we what I'm saying. A, uh, we got a comment. This Periscope thing changes the game. So maybe riding in city streets would be a good way to uh, avoid crashes. It, it is. Uh, mm-hmm. But I ride in city streets a lot. I've <laughs> yeah. ridden in New York a lot. I ride. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of traffic where I'm from. But I ride around heavy traffic all the time. The only problem with that that I see, and somebody's probably going to give me stuff for this, is <laughs> you have a there you're putting yourself at risk. Now I know we all ride in the city all the time, but if you go out with the single mindhood of hey, I want to dodge cars, <laughs> you just get you, there's there's a very high possibility. So whenever I mess up, I just don't be the record. You mess up trying to dodge cars. It's possibly an ending of your life. Like you have to, you have to weigh pro, pros and cons. You have to outweigh them. Um, yeah. So that is, I guess, technically you could do that, but that's not what I would recommend. It's not the way to go. Yeah, like the risk uh, benefit analysis. Yeah, I tell people um, ride with a brake and just pretend it's not there. And then when you need it, you have like the manual engine braking, like you would have in a stick shift car. And then you also have the braking power of a front brake. Exactly. Because the rear brake stops you and the front, or sorry, the rear brake just slows you down and the front brake is what stops you. So if you have the braking of your pedal stroke, you know, either skidding or locking mm-hmm. it up. Um, and then in addition, a front brake, it's kind of ideal. You know, it's funny you, you say that about the rear brake slowing you down and front brake stopping you. I le- actually learned that in mountain biking. So I, I race mountain bikes quite a bit. I race downhill, cross country, all that stuff. And on a mountain bike, they say your rear brake steers you and your front brake stops you. Because yes. if you want to stop, you have to hit the front brake. Your rear brake just sort of guides valid. you in the right correction. Yeah. I've noticed that when you're coming into um, switchbacks descending, mm-hmm. you notice when you let off of your your rear brake or you pull it hard, it almost changes the trajectory. I think they both kind of influence cornering. Yeah, they do. Interesting. And, and, and another uh, one of the cool things that I've got at my disposal with Red Bull is we've got uh, an F1 race car simulator. So what? Yeah, really? So we actually have. Are you serious? Yeah, and if you guys ever, I'm all distracted. I hear F1 race simulator. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) So if if you guys, and I'll put it up on the Periscope for for whoever's by checking it out. But Uh if you guys follow me on Snapchat, it's just Addison Zawada, first and last name. Uh, I'm actually, I'm in it all the time. So Uh what what it does is it you actually are literally driving an F1 car on a track. 
And it teaches you about these different lines. And what I learned from it is that you can't break through a corner because when you start to break through a corner, mm-hmm. you start to lose control. You lose traction. Yeah. What before. that taught me is on the bike, you break before the corner and then hold steady. And as you're coming out of the corner, you gas it again, which makes complete sense. Because uh-huh. if you're putting restraint on your rear wheel, it's trying to lose traction the whole time. Jesus, what do we do to get on the simulator? Cyclopeed simulator. Yeah, you know, I uh, I went to Dave and Buster's and I played this like um, this Star Wars simulator type like F one fighter game, and it was the coolest thing in the world because it was a screen pretty much from top to bottom, left to right, and I was actually getting very dizzy and I was getting like vertigo and the whole entire thing. It was gnarly, and I was like, oh, this is real because I was like pulling up, pulling down, and uh, yeah, it was. It was pretty tight, and so after that, I was like, "Simulator, anything I'm down for." Yeah, it it was sort of that. It's sort of that same kind of thing. It's Mm -hmm. from a company called CXC, and they actually make race simulators for people to learn how to drive F1 cars. I'm driving the same simulator that actual F1 drivers are driving to sort of push their limits. It's the same thing. It's it's detailed to the point where you have to warm up the tires on the car before the car can go full out. Right, it's that detail. Like it's crazy detailed, but. Everyone always asks me, like, how do you relay it to racing a bike? And I never thought about it, actually, until we started this interview that I did learn something from that. I I Uh learned the fact that if I break through a corner, I'm going to lose traction and slide out. Right, right. I subconsciously I took that into the race last weekend at the, wow. the Heck Yeah Crit. Okay. Uh, I subconsciously I took that in. I knew not to break in the corner. So right. it just now hit me that I really have learned something from playing essentially a video game right. to racing. Right. What, right. what corners were you breaking in? I don't remember much of that. <laughs> uh, I was breaking in a lot of the corners when they decided, oh, we shouldn't go this fast anymore. Yeah. Right, good one. Oh you know, God. there was a lot of that going. What was the average speed there? Like 26, 27? Yeah, yeah mid 26s. Okay. What was, um, I know, I think you're probably one of the only people that had power because you had the pedals, the Garmin pedals, are they? Yeah, yeah, Garmin vectors. What were um, some of the numbers for um, people that are. So um, my. My normalized power, which sort of takes away the not pedaling strokes yeah. of your power. Gets rid of the zeros. So yeah, it's more, basically. Uh, it's more accurate. Yeah. was 307 watts for the race, okay. so for 45, 50 minutes. And then my final sprint was 1,100 watts. Um, which isn't which isn't huge, but enough. Yeah, apparently enough. Yeah, right? enough to enough to get the job. Timing done. is everything. And no, you know, I, as much as as much as I come down to myself, that it's becoming a game changer where you actually have to ride as a team. And we found that out this weekend. And I, I telling me that's one of, that's one of my favorite <laughs> things about this SoCal crit series is the fact that, I mean, they're literally changing it to where people are starting to ride as a team. Now, a lot of people still have a lot of work to do because fortunately for us coming from road bikes that we've raced road bikes before, mm-hmm. we naturally know how to ride with a team. But some of these kids have never done that before. Yeah. So everyone's learning how to ride with a team and it's changing the game. You can't go out solo and expect to win every race now. There was definitely, I would say, more team tactics than I've seen in some uh, USAC races. Yeah, and I think it's great. Like, there's, I, it's possible, but I don't think I would have been able to win that that race without my buddy Thomas, my teammate Thomas, uh, state bike team. He Thomas was his Thomas uh, Thomas Keating. Thomas Keating. Yeah, he's one of my state bike guys, and he he just happened to be rolling through town. He's like, hey. I'm in San Francisco. I got to go back to Phoenix. It's it's pretty much on the way. Right. So he stopped by and raced with me. And if it wouldn't have been for him, I don't think that I would have taken that win home. Because wow. he knew that he was under geared, so he knew he wasn't going to be able to take the final sprint. We, okay. we talked about gearing and stuff like that right. through the race. And he was like, well, I'm under geared. There's no way I'm going to be able to do a 38, 39-mile-an-hour sprint. I just can't do it on this gear. Right. So he's like, so I'm just going to pull you as far as I can and Very nice. just let it go. And 
we just happened to get on the inside, found the right line. He's a, he's a really avid road racer. He races every weekend. So Great. he's got really good tactical skills. And he pulled me the entire last lap until the last corner. And if it wouldn't have been for that pull, I don't know if I'd have been able to come around the outside like I did. Cool. Cool, cool teamwork, man. You know, it's interesting that you guys are saying that you're seeing these these guys do more teamwork than you actually see in a USAC race. You know, in U US what I'm it's I can't USA say USA cycling. USA cycle. I yep. can't say that fast for some reason. USA USAC. 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 Yep. USAC. <laughs> I don't want to even say USAC anymore because of FUSAC. I'd rather say FUSAC <laughs> instead of USAC because it gets mixed up and then people are like, what? So USA cycling. But anyways, it's that's interesting. Why do you think, Ronnie, people you you're seeing more teamwork in the SoCal Fix series and you're actually seeing in the USAC races. What do you think is going on? I think there's a, there's a good amount of loyalty and, okay. and, and pride on the line. Um, so I used to be on, on GLK, Greenleaf Killers. They mm -hmm. kind of taught me uh, the ropes in the, the fixed gear scene. I used to be very uh, very afraid of riding brakeless and just had to learn the skill set of how to slow the bike down, mm -hmm. realizing that you're not up a creek if... Uh, if you come into a corner too hot because your legs are the brakes and your legs are the engine. little shout-out to Engine 11. <laughs> yeah. So I was on GLK and I got picked up by Leader and I was offered the opportunity to race on the global scale. So I, I took that and fortunately was able to still remain friends with the GLK guys. But I think there is um, a good amount of pride. So like say you're in a solo breakaway and there is a team that used to be on, they might be incentivized to chase you down and bring that back versus um, if there was no beef there. You know, it, it's funny that you say that because I didn't even – didn't even put two and two together because I didn't know you when you raced for GLK, but they they were making a, a really heavy effort to, <laughs> to chase you down. And oh, that's I, cool. I don't know if it was for first or to, to get a little payback, but I mean... <laughs> no, if, I don't mind. Racing's yeah. racing. You know? mm -hmm. I mean, as long as nobody goes, goes out and like intentionally chops a wheel or tries to yeah. crash somebody out. But like, right. by all means, like I said, um, still great friends with the guys. They work their butts off. Mm -hmm. they're, they're strong guys, and uh, it's cool to see the team right. tactics taking place. You had um, Caesar and Edgar Willahorez. Doing some team tactics. Sometimes uh, Willow will, will rest a bit while Caesar's stringing it out, making a hard race. Um, Engine 11 guys doing some some teamwork. They put one guy up in the break, have another back in the pack. Uh -huh. um, sometimes you have some blocking. There's all sorts of different stuff happening. Um, so for now, just like in a USAC race to where you have to have the right teams in a breakaway for it to stick, it's becoming the same to where if there's not you know, a GLK guy, Engine 11, a leader guy, mm -hmm. um, a state guy in the breakaway, then that's probably not going to stick because if the team doesn't have a guy in the break, they're going to bring it back. Right, right. Yeah, that, that was one of the things I noticed through the entire race is from from that point, nobody really got in a, steam, uh, a team tactic established because no one sent anybody off the front and tried to block for it. But uh, that that's very true. Like if, if someone would go off the front and we look around, hey, they don't have a team. We just sort of let it go, let them wear themselves out for a little bit. There's no sense in chasing yeah. them down. It's right like, away and blowing bullets when you don't need to. When the, there's no way they're going to stay out by themselves, yeah. especially with a, a 15 mile an hour headwind like we had last weekend. The race was very interesting. Was this the first time you've raced in like the like underground? Well, you've done the Civic Center races, mm -hmm. but like, what other races in the LA area have you done? Was um, it just the no? I've done the Wolfpack I've done, ones. I've, mostly the Wolfpack stuff, but it started back in 2011 with the Wolfpack Hustle Crash Race, the uh -huh. Marathon Crash. That was like my first big fixed gear race I ever did. Okay, which actually was 2012. Sorry, uh, the Wolfpack Hustle Marathon Crash Race in 2012 was uh -huh. my first like big fixed gear race. And I've done I've done a few 
of the underground things. I do a lot of alley cats back when I'm home, and we throw in our own fair share of like local crits in Jacksonville. Okay, but as far as like on the West Coast, this is the first time I've gotten like the true underground scene. I haven't done any alley cats or anything like that out here. So this is the first time that I've been to a race where we just showed up, threw a race, went home, like nothing happened. How's the cycling scene in Florida? For road cycling, it's huge. Okay. For fixed gears, it's not as big, especially up where I'm from in Jacksonville. It's, right. It's more like more hanging out with your friends, booze cruise kind of fixed gear riding. There's a handful that like booze cruise. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> we, do, we do a lot of that. But uh-huh. I mean, to give you a perspective of why we do that, we live at the number one party beach in America for Fourth of July. So it's just what we're party animals in, yeah. in Jacksonville Beach. Okay. We like to party. We like it's to the dance. number one we place like on the Fourth of July. Number one party beach for Fourth of How July. How many tourists come in for? Do you know? Is There's it like a lot of colleges back there? You know. Yeah. yeah. God, it's. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say it's in the hundreds of thousands, but it, it's pretty close. It's Jeez. huge. So we block off. Uh, what is it? A, I think it's a three and a half mile stretch of road that's beachfront, and just throw a giant block party. The biggest wow. block party I've ever seen. And people are like, "No way, no way, it's not true." I show them pictures and videos of it, and they're like. Whoa, mm-hmm. it's huge. Like, mm-hmm. It's really big. We, we like America. We like to celebrate yeah. America in Jacksonville. But no, the, the fix here scene, it's, it's up and coming, and we've got a few guys that are sort of trying to take it to that next level and right, starting to right. race. They're starting to think about going to Red Hook and stuff, but we haven't developed that scene where we're throwing fixed gear races every mm-hmm. weekend like there is here. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. If you mm-hmm. have a race every weekend, you're naturally going to get faster and faster right. and faster. Right. That's why the Europeans are so dominant right now because there is a fixed gear race on the schedule Almost every weekend of the year. Wow. It's just huge over there right now. Wow. That's crazy. This is what city or just all over in Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, in Europe. In Europe. Gotcha, gotcha. Just Mm -hmm. just all over in Europe. Mm -hmm. They're all in different countries and stuff like that. But there's there's a a fixed gear crit race every weekend almost. Everybody's trying to get ready for that pinnacle Red Hook series. That's serious. And the fact that Hector and the guys over at Heck Yeah Crits are bringing that here and throwing a 10 race series, that's huge. Mm -hmm. That's going to be such a benefit to the local cycling scene That's great. That's really nice. Have you uh, hung out in Miami at all? Is Miami far from Jacksonville? It's about a five and a half hour drive. I've done a little bit of riding in Miami, mm-hmm. not as much as I would like to. Miami goes. Miami gets wild. There's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of fixed gear cycling. There's actually some some messenger services and stuff. So there's a lot of fixed gear. I've seen some. I've seen some Miami riding videos, but I mean, I watch the first forty eight a lot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I don't know if it's good to like flow through Miami because every every time I hear about Miami, everybody's like, "Yeah, Miami's great," but it's just a couple of blocks. That's great. The rest of Miami is like the first 48. It's, you know, it's it's like it's like the L.A. thing. I mean, if you get caught in South Central, yeah. it's probably not the place most people want to be. Right. It's the same thing with Miami. You've got I sections imagine. of Miami that are really awesome. And right. you've got some sections of Miami that if you don't live there, you probably don't want to go there. It's, it's the same kind of right. thing. Right. And if you don't but, speak Creole, then you're yeah, done. But it's, yeah, but <laughs> for the most part, if you're riding bikes... Uh-huh. You're not in those areas anyways because they're so congested that you yeah. don't want to ride your bike there anyways. You're okay. staying out by the beaches. There's a lot of beach riding near Miami. Uh-huh. And then you go down to the Keys. I mean, you can go down to the Keys and back in a weekend and make it like a 300-mile weekend. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty much just open road cruising. Very nice, man. How 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 did you get start get started in cycling? So I raced BMX for 10 years. Uh, me and my buddy just we talked about it, talked about it. And funny story, my buddy started racing BMX about six months before I did. Mm-hmm. And there was a track about 30 minutes from our house. I was, I was always bugging my parents, bugging my parents. They're like, no, you got baseball. You're going to get hurt. I'm going to want you doing that. Mm-hmm. So I snuck out there one day with my buddy Stephen Penland. His, his mom took us out there and went out there. 
Would his mom know that your parents went down? No, okay. his mom okay. had no idea. Okay. <laughs> his, to put it in perspective, his mom was a little Filipino lady that hardly spoke, spoke English. Those are the best ones. So it uh-huh. was perfect. We kind of pulled one over on her, but uh-huh. she loved it. Uh, she was like my second mom for the longest time. Very nice. And so I snuck out there with him. We went to race, and I went to register, and they were like, but you don't have a waiver signed. You can't ride. Right. Because obviously they don't want to get sued. If right. They fall and crash. So I talked to her. I started crying. You I started like, crying? I was like 11 years old. I was, I was a little kid. So, so, okay. I start, so I started like crying and all this stuff, and she was like, all right. I remember the lady, Miss Peggy. She was like, all right, all right. You can do one lap. So I went up there, and there was this guy, Jeff Moore, who was like my all-time hero. Okay. Just like if BMX was a thing, he was like God. Like he was the BMX guy yeah. in uh, South Carolina where I lived. And I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and impress him on my first lap. Went off, first jump, busted it, face plant. Really? Yeah. Not ideal. Crazy thing is, I got back up from that, kept riding, haven't stopped riding a bike since. Wow. I grew up racing BMX, actually. I when I was ne- like four. I've done it. That's Are you crazy. familiar with the NAG uh, system? Uh, what is that? Not really. Like uh, national age group. It's like in the, the r- national rankings, basically. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. so the so the NAG um, sort of came to be on the East Coast as I was sort of falling out of it. They had the NBL and ABA, as mm-hmm. you know. When they converged, that was sort of the time I was getting out of BMX. So I never learned much about the NAG. System. What age were you doing it? Uh, I was. You're what? Twenty six now? Uh, Twenty four. Twenty four. So I was oh, okay. two thousand three to oh, okay. um, two thousand. 14-ish. I did it about 11 gotcha. years. Mine was way back in the 90s. When I was getting out, I would think I was like 9 or 10 years old, and they were just coming out with clipless pedals. Like I don't know why it's called clipless, because the cages were called clips. Oh. So it just doesn't make sense. Yep. But when you huh. clip in, it's called a clipless pedal. So they were okay. just coming out with that when I was getting out. And back in the day, I was California number one and uh, NAG5, National Age Group 5. The Grands were like Oklahoma. Uh-huh. Yep. And I never had a great start. I guess I, was, I had slow twitch muscle fibers ever since uh, I was a kid. And I was always be like fourth, fifth out of eight out of the gate. But they named me Tenacious Toth because I would just keep grinding and like really? diving corners and pass people and, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes be able to get the W. Do you yeah. think the BMX is a, is a good like starting stage for kids that are really young if they want to get into cycling? Like if their parents that are listening, they're like, I have a little five year old in the house, you know, and I sure and I. I I do. Uh, so, so a lot of people get there, try and get their kids directly into triathlons. Is the new big thing. It's, oh, it's crazy okay. push. Come on, everyone. Wants to, everyone <laughs> wants to try and do triathlons. Everybody but, wants to be Ronnie. But I really <laughs> love BMX because BMX teaches you how to properly ride a bike. It teaches you how to control a bike. Okay. Because you're going over jumps that are can be as big as ten feet tall. Right. I mean, they can be thirty-five plus feet long, and you have to learn how to control your bike to ride over these jumps. Whereas if you're doing a triathlon or something like that, when you're first starting to ride a bike, uh-huh. you're pretty much just going in a straight line. So you never really learn how to control the bike. So BMX is my favorite introduction into cycling because you get bike handling skills. You see these kids out there that have been doing it forever, mm-hmm. and they're fast, and you want to get fast. Mm-hmm. So it, it puts that competitive gene in you. Mm-hmm. And you sort of develop this competitiveness to where, okay, this guy's fast. How do I get faster than him? Right. You naturally have a desire to go faster and faster and right. faster. And then you start implementing training regiments as you get older. So you, you become very self-motivated. Unlike okay. the cycling that we do, it's strictly single-man sport. Right. It's eight-man wide. You race from A to B as fast as possible, mm-hmm. all by yourself. Like 45 seconds, a minute and a half, maybe? Yeah, yeah, 45 oh. seconds. What is, is it for the pros? For the pros, 45? it's like 30 seconds. Wow. So it's, wow. it's 
175% for 30 seconds and uh-huh. the race is Love over. Percent. Yeah. I always it, make fun of people when they say more than 100%. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's all you got. So, so, so to give you an idea of what I mean by 175%, the world's fastest rugby player is one of our Red Bull athletes. Uh, oh, really? Carlin Isles. Okay. He can run a 40 in... 4.2, I think it is. Okay. What team is he on? Is this a, a black gentleman? I, you know, un- yeah, no. unfortunately, I don't know the name of his team. Seen, is it know, an American team? Like this. They give him the I, ball, yeah, and he's is. just gone. He's, really? He's so fast. So his vertical leap is 52 centimeters. That's a pretty big vertical, vertical leap. Yeah, that's a lot. Wow. That's what? Uh, just under 25 inches? That's, that's oh, a lot. Oh, I see. Okay. That's okay. 2.54. Oh. Yeah, that's a lot of vertical leap. Mm-hmm. Our Red Bull BMX racer, um, God Yaris, his vertical leap is 72 centimeters. Really? Straight up with his legs complete. So he can hop off the ground with his legs straight, mm-hmm. 72 centimeters. Does he just scream, rabbit mode, in action? Oh, <laughs> well, I'll definitely tell you, he definitely gets his wings in the morning because that dude can fly. Wow. But, and and that was the sickest Red and Bull commercial of all time. And, and, well, and so, so let's put cool. so let's put this uh-huh. in a number standpoint. Seventy-two centimeters. That's a vertical, uh-huh. that's how high he can jump straight off the ground by himself. Let me convert to, that real quick. To put, it okay. in, to put it into a Watts number, so more cycling related, like we're talking about. Uh huh. My max wattage I've ever seen on a sprint is in the mid seventeen hundred watts, which is a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of power. Yeah. The guys that are in the Olympics for BMX racing uh-huh. are pushing over 3,000. Really? Yeah. On that first pedal, they're pushing over 3,000 watts. I didn't know BMX racing was in the Olympics. It is. As I, of 2008, it is an Olympic sport. This is going to be its third Olympics this year in Rio. Triathlon, too. Wow, <laughs> I didn't know that. So, triathlon debuted in like 2000, I believe, in Sydney. Yeah. When did uh, the BMX debut? He oh, said 2008. 2008. How long do you think it's going to take before fixie crits start getting <laughs> Dude, into the can Olympics? Can you imagine going to the Olympics I, for a fixie so crit? I can imagine. So this is so this is what maybe so this is what that'd be crazy. We're going to beat Nate to the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think Nate would actually. I think he'd be down. New for that. life goals. No, I said we're going to beat Nate. Oh, we're going to beat Nate. Yeah. It's a forty-five minute race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like talking smack. Yeah, on Nate. Nate's. A, he's no. He's deadly for seventeen. He's deadly for seventeen seconds. I. Yeah. So I got picked um, to be part of the World Cycling League. So uh-huh. I get to be maybe Nate's lead out. Okay. Like okay. Three endurance guys on each team. Uh huh. And then a sprinter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But go on, Addison. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> but, but no. So with the BMX thing, that it sort of trains you to have this competitive edge, and like you always want to go faster and faster and faster. Very nice. And you you learn pretty quickly. Like, hey, I'm not the competitive person. I just uh-huh. like riding my bike. Mm-hmm. And then people sort of start to stray away. Some kids go to motocross or road bike stuff mm-hmm. like that. But if you really want that competitiveness you just sort of keep going after it after it after it until something happens and you change or until you get to the olympic level right right me, right me i sort of changed in 2011 um i picked up a fixed gear as primarily like endurance training because i was never one i was never a gym rat i didn't like going to the gym right i i had the the physical capabilities and i had the talent to okay. be a really good bmxer but i never had the motivational drive to put in the training hours okay so i got a fixed gear i was like you know what i'm gonna do a little bit of endurance training mm-hmm. my long track is not the strongest so picked up a fixed gear from the shop that i worked at and started riding and riding and then one of my friends actually you guys probably know him kirk sonos uh forward set guy the owner the owner and runner of forward set Forward it's set. it's it's, okay. it's, on, it's an online blog magazine basically. Okay, um, okay. And he he does a lot of product launches and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. we were both out of Jacksonville before he moved to LA. Okay. And he invited me to a race that he was throwing in Alley Cat. And 
I was like, okay, that sounds fun. Competitive mm-hmm. edge. It was through live traffic, so there was going to be an adrenaline rush, alley cat stuff. So I ended up getting fourth in that race, my first ever nice. fixed gear race. Nice. And I was like, you know what? There, maybe there's something here. Mm-hmm. So then a couple months later in uh, August, he invited me to this event called the Red Bull Mini Drum, which some of you might be familiar with. videos of that. Yeah, Basically, yeah. it's a scaled-down version of a velodrome. So... That was in New York, right? No, this one was in Orlando, but there have been oh, many, really? many in New York. So okay. what is it challenging? Is it just carrying, you want to carry the most amount of speed without going off the track? Yeah, it's finding that fine line of fast and too fast. <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of like wow. what we do in the fixed gear crate. You've got to find that fine line of, hey, I'm pushing it, but if I go over that line, <laughs> something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so they ended up having that race. And for those of you that don't know what it is, it's, it's a scaled down v- version of a velodrome, which is basically a giant steeply banked oval. Mm-hmm. If you compare that in NASCAR terms, a regular velodrome is Daytona, Talladega, Talladega the big, huge oval tracks. The mini drome is Bristol, super short, uh-huh. really steeply banked. It's 25 feet long, 44 or no, 44 feet long, 25 feet wide mm-hmm. with 48 degree turns. Okay. So that sort of gives you an idea of the scale. It can fit in most houses. It's tiny. Right, right, And right. you race around it at 20, 25 miles an hour. Jeez. It's just really fast over and over and over. And most guys are on straight bars mm-hmm. on, on that. It's, it's, so for why? So I, it started, the mini drome started over in Europe, but when it came over here, I was like, all right. You want to put on, make it as close to a BMX bike as possible because you want to have as much control, Mm -hmm. much Mm -hmm. control as possible. So big wide bars allow you to control the bike much more than drop bars do. That's also why when I go to climbing races, I run wide bars. So I have control coming down. A lot of people at Lord of Griffith last year up at Griffith Park were like, why are you running riser bars? I was like, so when I bomb this hill, I have all the control I'll ever need. Aerodynamics only matters over 12 miles per hour. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And on fixed descending. I'd say it matters less because like you're you're breaking so often. Yep. Right, 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 right. So it's just it's wow. just a control thing. That's that's the whole point of the wide bars there. Okay. But so when we went to this race and another funny story, I, I get myself into a lot of situations. So I'm sitting there and I'm cheering for one of my friends and there's this bar stool sitting next to me. So I get up on the bar stool and I start like cheering, cheering for all my buddies. Mm-hmm. I'm just having a grand time. I qualified first, just uh-huh. randomly. Qualified first, was winning all my races, and then one of my good buddies was racing. I was like, yo. I got to get up on this bar stool and cheer as loud as I can and make yeah. him go fast. So the security guard comes over. He's like, you got to get down off that chair. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, I didn't, apparently I didn't hear him the first time. He's like, you got to get down off that chair. Apparently he'd been telling me for like a minute or so, uh-huh. but it was so loud and I couldn't really hear. Right. So I look at him. I'm like, all right, okay. All right. All right. Well, yeah. trying to start trouble. And he kicks me out. I'm sitting first. I'm looking to win the race, going right. into the final race. Right. And he kicks me out. What? I don't, I don't even know who I am. Do you know I, who I am? No, no, but it was funny because at that time nobody knew who I was right, at all. Right, right. I was just this kid from Jacksonville that just happened to qualify first on a lucky whim. Right, right, right. So I'm outside and I don't have any phone numbers for anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm there with Kirk, but his phone's dead. Mm-hmm. He's the only person I know inside. So right. I'm like freaking out. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Right. So I talked to the guy at the, the front gate. And when the security guard left, he went and got the uh, project or the uh, event manager, Pamela. Uh, who works for Red Bull. She's an FMM and, or a field marketing manager in cool. Florida. Mm-hmm. Me and her sort of became good buddies talking over the mini drum thing. She came outside and she's like, all right, you're coming back in. There's no way you're out here. Okay. So I ended up winning that race and they're like, the guys that run it are from Canada. It's called a group called Hangman Productions. They're from Canada and they're like, yo, we're throwing one in Montreal. You got to come to Montreal. Very nice. And I was like, are you paying for it? They're like, no, but you got to come to Montreal. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, mm. so I borrowed some money from my mom. Okay. Of course. All right. So I go up to Montreal. And I win that race. Very nice. They're like, yo, we got one in two weeks in Toronto. You got to come to Toronto. I'm like, I don't have any money. I just yeah. borrowed money. 
all right, mom, can I borrow some more money? So she gave me a plane ticket up there. I won Toronto. Wow. All right, you got to come to Vancouver. Just one last race for the series. You got to come to Vancouver. Borrowed some more money from mom. Uh-huh. They're like, this, this is going to be the grand finale. This will be the biggest one of all because that's Vancouver's where this company is based from. So like, we're going to okay. hype it up, hype it up. I get there, and there's almost nobody there. Shut up. So I win that one. Okay. <laughs> He's like, okay. I, I mean, you know, some things happen in the world, and you just got to take them as they are. Uh-huh. If you get handed an opportunity, take advantage of that opportunity. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just got to play the card you're dealt. Mm-hmm. So I won that race, and then I got invited to another one in Charlotte the next year, and uh, they were like, yeah, you got to come to this race. And I was like, uh. so I drove up with my buddy, me and Kirk again, mm-hmm. the night before, the day before somebody messaged me like, Hey, there's a mini drum in Charlotte. You got to go. You got to go. So I go up and I didn't win that one. It's only, well, no, there's two of them that I haven't won out of them. But so that one, the attendance was unfortunately so poor that they let BMX bikes race on it. Really? So I'm at a huge disadvantage. Obviously, I have to pedal the whole time. They can pump the turns a lot faster. Uh-huh. So I ended up getting third at that race. Okay. I will say, I could have probably gone a little bit faster, but whatever. Okay. Um, I never lost to a fixed gear at that point in time. So the guy that's running it works for Red Bull, and he's like, hey, we've got this event called Red Bull Ride Style in right. San Francisco. A lot of people are familiar with what that was. Yep. They flew me to that full expenses paid, paid for everything. First time anything has ever happened like that in my right. life. So I go to San Francisco two weeks later, and I win that. Mm-hmm. And that's like the stamp. That's the seal of the deal. It right. saved you from that mom sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. 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 That is, man. How she excited was your mom when you, when you told her that, like, finally? like you know, you know, she was yeah. – She, her and my dad growing up were the most supportive people, mm-hmm. like, ever. Me and my dad spent – God, I think they tallied up in the year. We spent $35,000 the first year I raced BMX just traveling. The first year? The first year. Just traveling all over the world, wow. all over the United States. We, if, it was on the, if it was within like 1,000 miles of the East Coast, we were You're going to it. it. We went to it. Every one of them. Wow, that's great. And they great. spent so much money. And back then, you know, I was, I was 11 years old. I had right. no idea what $35,000 is. Right. That's a lot of money. Right, like right, that's, right. That's some people's salary for a year. Right, And we right. spent that on BMX. So they gave everything they had to make sure that I could do what I was destined to do. And they right. just kept pushing me forever. They have been my biggest support system of all. If, if it wasn't for them, I, I couldn't have done it, obviously. Right, right. I borrowed money from them. They'd given me their time, all that kind of stuff. So I really have that to give to them. And when I told my mom, unfortunately, my dad passed away in 2010. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So when... My mom was going through a really, really rough patch, and mm-hmm. that was actually how we funded my trips to Canada was through his life insurance. Oh, okay. So there is a silver lining. Right, um, right, right. Obviously, I'd give it all back to have him, but mm-hmm. you got to take every moment as it is. Your dad would want that exactly. for you Exa- to do exactly. that. You know exactly. I mean? so, so there is a silver lining to every story, mm-hmm. and you just, mm-hmm. just got to find it and figure out what it is. Right. But when I came home the day after we actually like 100% signed my contract with Red Bull, mm-hmm. my mom was happier than I was because- Really? Red Bull had always been that dream sponsor to me. Growing up as a kid in BMX or any action sports, Red Bull is the one company that you can't buy anything they make except Red Bull. Like, except the energy drink Red Bull. You can't buy hats. You can't buy clothes. You can't buy stickers. You can't buy anything. Really? I never do, realized that. They, Red Bull business model. They yeah. do scarcity. They do, that, they do that for a specific reason. They only want their logo on the person that is the best in the world at what they do. And you have to earn that logo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And they're so guarded on that that there is a locked cage in the back of headquarters. And only three people have the key to that cage to get the athlete stuck. 
So that hat that you're having, that that you hat, can, that's a dope hat, right there. I, by the no way. one can wear. It. They put no one can wear it but me. Cage once is what I heard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like 48 hours. Dude, they, they let me go in that cage and I just start ripping stuff apart. Man. Really? I'm like, hats, hats, hats. But no. So basically, what that means is they only give their product to the best in the world of what they do. So right. it's very slim. I, we only have, I think, last year we had 832 athletes around the entire world. Mm-hmm. For a company that's the size of Red Bull, we sold. I think it was four and a half, five and a half billion cans last year. Uh-huh. So for a company that size to only sponsor less than a thousand people in the right. entire world, they're extremely selective. Right, right. So when I came home with that Red Bull hat on my head, that's all I ever wanted. I didn't care if they paid me a dime. I right. just wanted the right to wear that hat because right. it's, it's a huge honor to be able to wear that hat. And now they pay you all the dimes. Yeah, all the dimes. No, they don't pay me all the dimes, but they <laughs> do. They, that's so... With Red Bull, it's it's not like I'm out making a ton of money. I'm right. not living the lavish. I'm not living in Malibu. I'm not right. driving a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. I drive a 2002 Toyota Camry well, with 300,000 miles on it. Oh, okay. But right. I like to consider wealth. Wealth is uh, the experiences. That's right. that's exactly that's travel, exactly what I was going to say. No, you hit that on the head, Ronnie. It's it's they've given me the opportunity to do so many things, mm-hmm. travel the world. They've got this phenomenal facility for me to work out. They give me right. all these insane experiences that I never would have had before. Mm-hmm. So in that aspect, they make me the richest man in the world. Right, right. I, I get to do what I love mm-hmm. for a living now. Mm-hmm. And that's, I always tell people, that's that's what you got to do. You got to find the one thing that you're really good at, whether it's media producing, whether it's right. riding a bike. You got to mm-hmm. find the one thing that you're really good at and you really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't make you a million dollars, Whatever. You love what you do exactly. and you want to do it. When you're happy to go to work, that's way better than coming home with a $50,000 paycheck. Right, right, It means right. so much more to you and the people around you. Right. So the fact that they provided that opportunity, and, and that goes along with all the sponsors that I work with. I'm extremely picky with the sponsors that I work with. Okay. I work with them because they've got product I believe in mm-hmm. or they treat me extremely well. And most of the time, it's definitely the best of both worlds. Right. Stay Bikes is phenomenal. They do everything they can to get me to any race that I need to be at. If I need product, they send me bikes. They send me anything and everywhere I need to go. That's dope. And we've got a really good team. We've, uh, it's, we're sort of up and coming because most of our guys are road rides, road okay. racers. They're okay. like pro one-two road racers. So they're extremely strong, but they don't ride fixed gears all the time when they're home. They're mostly on their road bikes. So we're slowly doing team camps and getting used to the fixed gear thing. And okay. So we've got the strength. We've just got to put it into the fixed gear world. And I think this year is going to be a really good year. We're coming out with some new new frames this year. That's sweet. It's going to be it's going to be a sick year. That's exciting. And then same with like Oakley. Everybody knows Oakley. Right. Everybody's like, you. why do you spend so much money on glasses? There is a reason you spend so much money on glasses. My riding glasses that I wear are impact resistant up to, I think it's like, 400 pounds or something like that. What? So you can drop something. You just lay your Oakley's flat on the table. Right. You can drop a 50-pound weight on it, and the lens itself will not shatter. You could take a gate to the face at 50 miles per uh-huh. hour. Exactly. Wow. I know, I know a guy. You know yeah. a guy that's you know still a guy. <laughs> but so and it just goes on my point. The gloves that I wear, the hand-up gloves that I wear, uh-huh. um, it's a company called Hand Up Gloves, and they started in motocross. But they use the same material that you use that NFL players use, that really sticky, crazy oh, material. to catch the football. Just yeah. Whoop. So they put that on their palms, mm-hmm. the palms of their hands. That's clever. So that way your hands, they never move. Once you mm-hmm. put them there, because nobody wants to have to focus on, hey, I've got to have my hands in the right spot at right. all times. That's sort of the reason that I run clipless, and I'll get back to that in a minute. But okay. you don't want to have to worry about where your hands are all the time. When you put them somewhere, you want them to stay there. And right. with those gloves, they really do. I mean, even down to my socks. Mm-hmm. Even down to my socks. Swiftwick socks, I... 
I spend all day on my feet. Like that's mm-hmm. what we do. We we make a living being on our feet. You have to have comfortable feet. Right. Um, so the moisture wicking material that they use, mm-hmm. the winter wool socks that I've got keep my feet warm. I mean, I rode from Chicago to L.A. Right. Back in October, December. Okay. And with their wool socks, merino wool socks, I didn't even really need to use shoe covers. And we rode down to the teens degrees. How was that, by the way? How many miles did you do for that from oh, Chicago so it, to L.A.? God, it was amazing. So we ended up doing it was 25, just under 2,500 miles total. We have here 2,451. Yep. So, yeah, right under 2,500. Yeah, so it was just under 2,500 miles. Mm-hmm. And we ended up averaging about... 68 and a half miles a day on the end. 68, 68 and a half miles. So mm-hmm. about roughly a little less than 70 miles a day Yep. for every day. Every day. And that's that's average total. So we rode, we ended up riding 36 days. I had a few uh, events. We actually had a mini drum event in Tulsa that I worked. Okay. And then I had to do uh, some athlete marketing conferences in Orlando mm-hmm. like halfway through the trip. So I had to take a few days off. Mm-hmm. So it was 45 days of elapsed time, but we mm-hmm. actually did 36 days of riding. What, wanted, what, where'd you get the idea to do this? Why did you even want to try to pull that off? It was something I just always wanted to do. I've always wanted to do bike touring. Right. But I never knew what I wanted to do. And I thought about it. I'm like, man, there's this phenomenal road, Route 66. It's so legendary mm-hmm. in the U.S. Like if anyone and everybody knows of Route 66. They might, Hill. Yeah. yeah. They might, they might not know the history of it or why it's there or why it's so big. But if you say the name Route 66, they know what it is. It's a road in the U.S. Well, it was the main street of America. It was literally how you connected the east and west coast. Mm-hmm. It went all the way from Chicago to Los Angeles and back. Right. You said first- where does it connect, Ronnie? Foothill? Uh, Foothill in Pasadena is Route 66. Oh, and really? I'm sure it starts somewhere in yeah. Santa Monica. It, uh, it it's actually starts, um, what is it? I think it's Ocean in Santa Monica, I believe. Oh, um, no kidding. I didn't yep. know that. So it runs all the way across. Yeah, wow. it, runs, it runs from there. And most of it's I-40 now. Most of it's been taken over by interstate. Right. But it runs all the way through Flagstaff, Arizona, Amarillo, all the way up to Chicago. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's Where cool. does it end on the East Coast or does it end in Chicago? It, does, it ends in Chicago. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it starts. It actually starts about a mile from the Bean. I cannot remember the actual name mm-hmm. of that thing, but the Bean in Chicago, the, right. the selfie Bean. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. I've seen it in a Kanye West commercial or a video one. Oh, I was like, okay, that's yeah. minus yes. points. Yes, <laughs> yeah, you're not getting paid this week. You no, just, damn it! I need the just, money. You just said the K word. <laughs> what? Oh man, I can only imagine taking. I mean, going from Chicago to LA on a bike. But, I mean, you hear the song, like, get your kicks on Route 66 and a whole bunch of stuff like that. Can you imagine the journey that those people made and, like, the f- when was that route can- made? It was, it was started in the mid-30s. I think it was 1930, either two or seven. I can't remember which one. Okay, so, like, you know, new car. I mean, not new cars, but cars are just kind of hitting the scene. Yep. People are deciding, like, yo, we can drive across the United yep. States. No air conditioner. Oh. You know, and so it's either super hot or like you said, it was super cold, right? How, what time of year did you do this? We did this from October to December. So beginning of winter, like end of fall, beginning of winter. Mm-hmm. And there was a point where we didn't go above 45 degrees for three weeks at a time. What? Mm-hmm. And that's sleeping because we camped probably 75% of the time. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's camping, riding, everything. It stayed mm-hmm. below 45. The coldest we camped in was 11 degrees and the coldest we rode in was 18 11 degree. How do you sleep in 11 degree weather? 
Lots of blankets. Lots of blankets. And you just you try and fall asleep before it gets cold and not think about it. <laughs> fall asleep bag. before it gets too cold. <laughs> Actually, when you're in a sleeping bag, it's warmer to sleep naked because your body yep. heat, that's how the bag is Straight out, really? Versus yep. clothes. Wow. Yeah. Or if someone's that. dying, you're both supposed to get naked just and, cuddle and up spoon naked. and your body heat transfers back and forth with the goose down in the sleeping bag. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Bags are rated to... Um, to certain degrees, there's like, there's like a comfort range, right. and then there's like an emergency range, and you don't want to go below that. Right, yep. right, right. I dummy, dummy, me being from Florida, I had uh-huh. a 40 degree bag. Really? I, so I camped in, where was it? The Grand Canyon for like three days with it snowing, and oh, I camped wow. with that bag, and I was like, you know, I, I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. Psych. 11 degrees. The the night before it went down to 11, it was like. I think it was 18 that uh-huh. night, and I was freezing all night. I put on every piece of clothing I had and just couldn't stay warm. So I stopped at a truck stop and mm-hmm. got, like, a really thick wool blanket that they uh-huh. had for that they made, actually, for dogs. Uh-huh. Like, a little truck size, a semi-sized one. Right, right, right. So I got that, and after that, I was pretty good the rest of the trip. It's just, it's all about being prepared. It's, it's hard to be prepared on a, a touring trip because you want to stay as light as possible, but sometimes... You got to sacrifice the weight over comfort. Cause how, how do you prepare for food for something like that? Uh, what did you of, eat? I ate a lot of oatmeal, a lot of sandwiches, basically non perishables peanut okay. butter sandwiches, oatmeal, bagels, stuff that are high calorie, but they don't really need a lot of taking care of because uh-huh. you don't have a refrigerator, uh-huh. you don't have a microwave. You just, right. you got to sort of. Just like take it as it, it comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it as it comes. A lot of fruit, because fruit. I mean, fruit stays good for a couple of days at a time right, without right, right. any worries. Wow. No so jack in the box for, or nothing. For listeners, was this a ride or a a drive? No, it was a ride. No, a ride. Yeah, okay. uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So this is this. How, is a ride. how much did your bike weigh? Um, like, what did you carry with you? Total. My heaviest day, I think I was about 115 Dang, pounds. That's a lot. And my lightest day, I was just at about 100. Man, I was a young fool when I was, I did this when I was younger. Uh-huh. Um, my my lady friend at the time, after college, she uh, she lived in Iowa. And her dad had got me a job at a bank doing public relations. In Iowa? Yeah. And so I rode, um, my plan was just to ride there. And okay. I, had a, I had a sleeping bag, a phone charger, and a debit card. That's it. That was it. <laughs> oh, man. And I got into the middle of Utah. is <laughs> in the middle of the Utah desert, like, off the 15. So this is, like, a couple days past uh-huh. Vegas. And then uh, my buddy was driving through to Chicago, oddly enough, and he recognized a guy that, that looked like me. He legit just, re- like, yo, that he looks was, like Ronnie right there. driving home. And so he's like, you know, I'll call him. I, I go by Toth until mm-hmm. I got into cycling and then the results it says Ronnie. She's so like, uh-huh. that looks like Toth. I'll give him a call, just check in. Yeah. He didn't actually think it was me because we're in the middle of this we're in a 200 mile gap in the middle of the desert. So where there exactly. were signs that said no gas stations, no food, no services 200 miles. And right. I didn't plan this. I was like 22 and uh, I was like, I'm just going for it. And so I'm in this 200 mile gap with That's no funny. services whatsoever uh-huh. and just planning on doing a double century day and getting to the other side. Right. And he recognizes me in the middle, calls me up. Here's wind in the background. Right. And he's like, dude, dude, are you in Utah? And I was like, yeah, I'm somewhere like off the 15. And he's like, you do know you're in like a 200 mile gap with no water. And right. I've been riding like since morning. And so he ended up uh, stuffing all of my uh, my bike. I was on a TT TT bars uh, on a road bike. Wow. <laughs> with a with a rack on the back with uh, 
<laughs> my sleeping bag. It's pretty awesome. Dude, how did Four that, water bottles? How did that girl feel dumb. when you pulled up to the house and it was, it was magical? And she was like, "You rode all the way here from California." I mean, she knew, but seeing it be brought to fruition, right, left you wishing. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty crazy. That's crazy. I um, I've never really done any distance riding like that. I would like to. Um, we're gonna do a story on a gentleman named uh, Bethel, and he's <clears throat> excuse me, he's uh, GOK Bethel. No, no, no. This is a gentleman from what town? Guadalajara, and uh, he is flying to Tijuana, and we're gonna meet him in TJ, and he's actually riding from TJ all the way up to Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's uh. Let's see, two fifty eighteen hundred miles, maybe. That sounds about eighteen. That sounds about right. That's no joke. And and so I told him that I would like to do some distance riding, some a distance with him from TJ to Orange County. He's TJ to Orange County, TJ for, to wherever he's trying to go. But um, I, I really would like to do that. I mean, the idea of just like committing to riding for days. You know, something I'd like to do is ride to my parents' house. I've always told myself if something apocalyptic happened in L.A., I'm just gonna ride up. <laughs> North to my family's house. You want to get the heck out, man. Exactly. And cars aren't going to work. Nothing's going to, like, nothing's going to, the only thing that's going to work is my bike, you know? (laughs) So just climbing the grapevine. And if anybody, um, he's Beto. His name is Beto Torres. He's spending this trip um, by selling um, his band CDs at 10 bucks a pop. So if anybody wants to buy those, yeah, Bethel, he's a he he's in a band and he's you said he's funding yeah. he's plays the keyboard he's funding his trip um, by selling CDs for a Spanish band. What kind of music does he do they sing? It's kind of like alternative. Um, it's I think it's all instrumental. All instrumental, like Mars Volta. Mars Volta is not really instrumental, yeah. but it, it can get instrumental, kind of Spanish too, a little bit. Yeah, I love Mars Volta. You guys ever listen to Mars Volta? It's been a while. Old band, okay. So yeah, so we'll throw a link up if anybody wants. Yeah, yeah. Addison, tell us um, what what kind of, you said you want to be on you know pro cyclist. So you race pretty much everything: BMX, um, road, Let's fixed, see. the uh, the mini drone. So on mountain bike, are you a category one or two? Technically, I'm a category three because I don't really race as much as I should. Okay. But every time I go into a race, I push for racing in the expert category, which would be a category one. Yeah, that's cool. I know mountain bikes is a little bit more lax than uh, than road. On the road, USAC, you are two or three. I'm I a two. What you said. So just, two. just upgraded to a two last year. So you can race and all pretty much anything, but the NCC stuff is the only ones that really separate. SDR, SDSR. You'll will you be gone for that one? Or are you still be in town? I think no, it's like I'll, two weeks. I'll be gone for that one. I leave out Tuesday. Unfortunately. Stage race. Um, it's hard. Probably the hardest upgrade is to go from Cat Two to Cat One because you have to beat. Typically, unless they separate the field, which is only a few races, you have to beat all the Cat Twos to get, or all the Cat Ones and Twos to get points. Yep. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's so like yeah. I like to recommend to people to uh, to do the separate ones, like San Diego Stage Race. That one's separate. Uh, Dana Point, Manhattan Beach is going to be like separate category twos. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things. It's like once you once you get to that. That pro one two area, most of the time, like you said, you're all racing together, so it gets really hard to get your points. Yeah. You know? 
I haven't haven't done as much road racing as I should this year. Uh, I've been focusing on a lot of gym work and just behind the scenes base training. So mm-hmm. I haven't got in the road races that I would like to this year. Hopefully, when I get back home, we've got a really good road series. So we lack in a lot of cycling areas, but one area we're pretty strong in is our road series. We've got when you say road, is that a criterium or an actual uh, road race? Both. I do mostly just criteriums yeah. to focus sort on my red, red hook, hook yeah. red hook stuff. Be deadly for an hour. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we've got a really strong road scene in Florida. I mean, we've got we've got guys that travel to nationals and do really cool. well at nationals. So uh, I the do weather, have that at my dispense. The weather is often um, one of the factors that makes people fast. You know, mm-hmm. you look at some of the fastest ranked riders for USAC in the nation. They're all coming out of Texas, um, Florida, California. Year I'd say California is like top eighty to ninety percent. Oh yeah, yeah. Of mm-hmm. the nationally ranked like Cat ones. Yeah. yeah, we've we've actually. I mean, to put that in perspective. We've actually got two kids that are twos in florida that drove all the way out here in wow. an rv just just to get in racing Jeez. in socal because it's so competitive out yeah. here everyone is fast out here there's not just one or two people it's everyone's fast out here and your ranking goes up when you beat. i think we explained it last time is like the top 10 in a race it takes the average um, ranking of those riders and that determines the quality of race so if you beat riders that are ranked higher than you your ranking goes up mm-hmm. do you know offhand really? what your usac ranking is for this I year i don't no? i haven't i've only i haven't raced but one usac race it was actually Oh, CBR, town, okay. so. yeah. How did that race go? It was it was okay. It wasn't mm-hmm. my greatest. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, I took a, a pretty good crash. I sort of took myself out in the the Fusak race the night before, so oh. I got a good bit of damage on my hand. Okay, even up? yeah, it's it's, it's working yeah, on it. I was pissed, man. You crashed right in front of me. I'm about to aim for your neck. Uh, that's the, that's <laughs> yeah. the joke we have on that's the Ronnie's cycle. thing. He's like, if you crash in front of me, I'm aiming for the neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so that sort of played an effect, but it being an hour and a half race, I'm really good for between 45 minutes to. 60 minutes and then i sort of die off afterwards and i just i didn't have the gas that race and i made it about 60 minutes in the race felt pretty good and then just ended up blowing up towards the end i hear you yeah that's not bad that's not bad um do you think that uh what do you think well you I'm sorry. I don't even know what I was going to say. I'm just going to stop right there. Just marbles. Yeah, it was just marbles. marbles. In what the do you mouth. think about marbles? Do you like playing with marbles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Marbles. I used to play with marbles when I was a kid. Did you ever carry a bag of marbles to school and like like actually play the marble game with your friends? You know, I did. I think it was in like third or fourth grade. I think we we actually played marbles pretty religiously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, like, yeah. A, it was like a Friday. It was like, yeah. <laughs> it was like a Friday or something like That's that. Funny. I don't remember. What are you most looking forward to about being back home? Nice. Uh, being back home is just gonna give me time to. I've got a, a new dog. She's about, yeah, she's what, four months, five months now. Mm-hmm. So get back home, train with her a little bit. I'm trying to get her pretty well trained and house trained and everything. And then I get to see my girlfriend next weekend. So my girlfriend lives in Canada. So we only get to see each other once in a while. Jeez, man. It's yeah, How do you do a, that? How do you? You live in Florida. She lives in Canada. Did you meet her when you won? The... I, I met her at one of the mini drone races. Nice. Um, but so she, she's but it's, like, he swings so hard around the mini drone. No, but it's, it's, it's so crazy. So she travels more than I do. I travel uh-huh. probably 30 weekends out of the year. She travels even more than I do for what her What does job. she do? She's an on-site producer. So she produces oh. live feed for major events. Really? Um, X Games, Winter X Games, um, Crankworks up in Whistler. You got to give us her business like, card. Yeah, like mm-hmm. major sporting events. That's mm-hmm. what she does. She's the on-site producer. Mm-hmm. So she travels to major events. Right now she's in New Zealand finishing up Crankworks in New Zealand, which is a big mountain bike festival down there in Rotorua. Wow. So she was down there for two weeks. That's sweet. So like, uh-huh. yeah, she travels more than I do, so it works out really well. Because... Um, 
when we both find time that we're not traveling, we sort of meet in the middle. Like mm-hmm. next weekend, we're both flying into Washington D.C. and mm-hmm. we just hang out for the weekend because it's like it's like a seventy dollar round trip. Oh flight. wow, like it's super seventy dollar round trip flight. Well, with United, there's no layovers. There. Oh. Uh, Washington D.C. or Washington Dulles is a big hub for United. Right, right, right. So it's there's no so layovers. From Jacksonville to it's DC. just super cheap. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's I just see. super cheap. And same way for her, she okay. flies United all the time too. So right. it's, it just works really well. Wow. Um, so we sort of meet there sometimes, and then after Red Hook, she's driving to Red Hook for Montreal. It's like a six or seven hour drive. Okay. She's driving to Red Hook, and then I'm actually going to go home with her and live up there for the summer. Very nice. They got a velodrome. She's like five minutes bike ride from a lifted mountain bike park, so you can just ride downhill all day and like super cool stuff. A lifted mountain bike park. So does that mean you just get on one of those ski lifts, takes you warehouse. all the way yeah, up? Essentially, essentially, it's it's a ski. Like they would have, yeah, ski lifts uh-huh. for skiing, uh-huh. but they put bike racks on it and you ride it in the summer. That's dope. Yeah. I've never even thought about that. Mm-hmm. I took my uh, my roadie that I have. I took it um, cycle crossing the other day for the first time, nice. and I was like so excited. And I was like, dude, I need to get a mountain bike because I can't just keep doing this because I'm not trying to eat shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you know, it's it's funny you bring up cyclocross. That is probably my all time favorite bike. Is a cyclocross. Bike. Really, it's a one bike yeah. that does it all, man. Yeah, it's like yeah. a Swiss Army knife. Put bike. slicks so, on it. So I've wow. Okay, so, so to, to get let you, me know. Like, convince yeah. me how I could like. Like take that bike and turn it into a cyclocross bike, so I don't. Well, see, eat that's, it. that's the problem. A fork, is a, a fork width yeah. won't work. So oh. cyclocross bikes are a little bit wider in the stays. So where the tire meets the frame uh-huh. is a the little rear, bit wider. So you, can put, a, you okay. can put a bigger tire in it that's got knobs on it, uh-huh. gives you a little bit more cushion, but also a little bit more traction. Okay. So my my state bike's Thunderbird that I have. It's is a cyclocross bike. I raced it at cyclocross nationals. I've ridden it on mountain bike trails, and that was the bike I rode cross country on. Really, you took that bike across mm-hmm. country, and it's you awesome. even converted to fixed. Like, yeah, it had horizontal dropouts. Really, yeah. Like yeah, one bike for it all. Yep. Know, wow. Yeah, we one bike. Cycle That's cross it. Bike. Yeah. It's you a Swiss Army a, knife of bikes. You could put TT bars on, and then the profile designs fast forward seat posts, mm-hmm. and it would convert the geometry to a time trial bike. You'd yeah. have a time trial bike. It's everything because it, it's a full rigid mountain bike, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And suspension in mountain bikes is relatively new. Like for the you know the eighties and nineties, most people rode. Um, full like no suspension. Right. They call it hard tail. So I call the I've full rigid is hard body because you're, you're just somebody taking. Somebody explain to me what hard. Explain what hard tail so is. So hard tail is uh, is a front suspension mountain bike. Okay. While full suspension and then a cyclocross bike is just full rigid. And a big thing with the 29er um, thing or the 27.5 is doing like single speed and full rigid. So have like a carbon fork in the front. Okay. But no suspension just because the 29 inch wheels they kind of absorb a little bit of. The, you know, the beating. The guys like to run lower tire pressure. Okay. And that kind of provides, you know, an inch of suspension. Mm-hmm. Wow. Tubeless. You do tubeless, so there's no tube. So you have a sealant in there, and you right. can run a very low pressure. You could run like 22 psi. 22 psi. That soaks yeah. up. But keep in mind that a mountain bike tire pumped up rock hard would only be like 45. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's okay. Bigger volume, yeah. just like your car tires. I see. Like 32. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. How tire are your tires? <laughs> if your car tires are 60, we got problems. I, I have a funny car tire story. I remember my. My dad was like, yo, put some air in these tires for our Toyota Camry, right? And uh, it was the two front tires, and I remember putting air in the two front tires, and we live on this, like, um, it's a single road uh, up north, and so I remember we are going up north, and I could just tell in the car that the front of the car was bouncing. It was, I felt like I put really? too much air in the car, and I could, <laughs> I, I just felt the car dribbling down the road almost on every 
corner. And my dad was like, the car feels a little weird. What happens a couple miles up? Right tire pops. Oh, boom, boom. No. And I once had a, a right front wheel come off while driving. Really? <laughs> no. I was doing a U-turn. Uh-huh. And so I was on the freeway, and the car was like cutting to the left. Uh-huh. And I guess there was lug nuts missing. Okay. Young and dumb, man. This is, this is pre-riding my bike to Iowa with a phone charger okay. and a sleeping bag. Okay. And... The I got off the freeway. I was like, "Okay, this doesn't feel right." To check it out, uh-huh. and was gonna pull in this gas station and have a little look see. And I had buddies in the back. Um, this is my adventure mobile, so it's just a queen size bed in the back, okay, and no seats. Okay, <laughs> yes. okay, okay. So okay. we just Dream. put bikes in there and <laughs> go to races and just sleep like three or four people in the back. That's dope. Roll. We'd park at the starting line, and uh-huh. then everybody just piles out the sides in the trunk. Like we'd open the trunk latch uh-huh. of this minivan, and like four or five people would spill out. That's sick. So I pull off, make a U-turn, <laughs> and the front wheel pops off during the U-turn. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, no. did, so what did you do? Um, met they, these like. Scraped it, dumped, yeah, scraped yeah. the wheels rolling down the and road. It scraped like to the side. <laughs> Speaking of wheel, wheels going down the road, I once had spinners on it like, uh-huh. from Walmart for twenty the bucks. The ones that just snap on the hubcap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when you stop, they're spinning. And I once stopped at a stoplight, and it just the spinner just kept going. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. So that day when the wheel came off, there was um, some you know angels kind of like this guy and girl, and they pull over in a jeep. And they're like, we're going to give you all a ride back. Wait till the tow truck showed up to pick up the van. Mm-hmm. And they drove us like 60 miles to where we were headed. Oh, that's nice. And then gave us a C-note. Gave me 100 bucks towards like getting it fixed. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, total like Oh, angels. wow. And, what like, a blessing. like they wouldn't give me their phone number even. Nothing. It's crazy. Wow, that's so nice. So angels don't have cell phones I, is what we now know. <laughs> angels don't have cell phones. One more crazy car story. I've never told this story out loud. Me and my dad laugh about this shit like to ourselves. <laughs> Um, so we had this like 1995 Ford Ranger, okay, and we're in Stockton, California, and we're jamming down the 99 freeway, and we're going, you know how you, they connect freeways, so you're doing like a crazy loop onto another freeway? Mm-hmm. Well, inside of this like turning loop, um, the spare tire underneath the truck snaps down all of a sudden i just hear it just a scrape and it starts scraping and then i look in the rearview mirror and i see the spare tire sliding across the freeway like a hockey puck and it's like bouncing it bounced off the wall came back into the traffic and my dad was like oh my god what are you gonna do and i was like we're gonna keep dipping that's what we're gonna do so (laughs) i got off the freeway put the thing back on so it wouldn't scrape anymore and we just dipped we were just gone i was like we're not going back for that tire and if somebody got hockey pucked on the 99 i'm sorry (laughs) Whoever's listening that that happened to, we gotta apologize for that one now. It was just crazy seeing this tire because we were going fast and this tire was going just as fast, sliding the opposite direction. And then seeing it hit like the center cement blocks and bounce back into the freeway, it freaked me out. I was like, we gotta get out of here. You know, it's Uh, funny. I feel like everybody's got that that at least one crazy car. Right, right, right. So me and my buddies, we we were stupid. We were teenagers. (laughs) Every good story. Me yeah. and my buddies. So we drive out to this middle of the woods area. My friend apparently found some girl that wanted to hook up with him. Very so nice. In the, uh, in the middle of the woods. <laughs> in, the, yeah. in the middle of the woods. Dude. She had a this, possum as her Tinder pick. <laughs> Probably. No, this, this is pre-Tinder ga- days, dude. A gator. This was MySpace days. Oh, it was MySpace days. Um, the DMs. So, up in the so DMs. we drive out there. And it's, it's like a three-hour drive to get out there. It's middle of nowhere. And where as we leave her house, she ended up being... Not what he was expecting. Go figure. Catfish. Catfish. Um, so so we're driving home. We're like, all right, we, we got to have some fun. Mm-hmm. 
So we, we just started finding things in his car to throw at other cars as they were passing us. Oh, hey, I, I have a we story this, just like that. We but say keep this going. Every, every episode the internet is forever. Yeah. I have to warn each guest. Yeah. Okay. Continue with <laughs> no, the episode. That's, right. no, no, that's, that's fine. So, so we were throwing stuff. And uh-huh. The last thing we threw was a full water bottle. Oh, and it was, no way. We didn't realize it, but it was like, it was some like M3, but it was like a super high end BMW that we threw this water bottle uh-huh. at. So we look in the mirror and he just. Slams on the brake and starts what? to turn around, and we're we're in like a 1984 Toyota Camry, like um, the most POS car you've ever right, seen. Hardly right, right. ran, so we take off, and we start we're going, just putting, just burp, 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 and then we, burp, burp. we see we see a road on the left. I'm like, all right, we got we got to turn off there. So we, we turn off, turn off the lights, sit there for like 15 minutes. No one comes by, so we're like, all right, I think we're good to go. Uh-huh. He's like, but I want I want to go out to the road without turning lights on. So we left exactly. the lights. We left the lights off. Didn't want him to okay. see us. Okay, good move. Start driving. Didn't realize we had driven over train tracks. Now we're on the side of the road. There's we're not going over the train tracks. We're going through the train tracks. Oh no! Like running straight over the actual train tracks. You guys are riding on the train tracks. Like ju- no, like going through it, like across the train tracks. Oh okay. Instead okay, of okay. having like the concrete where you, you go over it nice and smoothly, it, like exactly. at a railroad crossing. No, we went straight over the actual tracks. So it was like douche, 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 in the, douche. Yeah, in his in his '84 Camry. Uh huh. And bam, there goes the tire. Oh no! Flat tire. So uh-huh. we're like, all right, whatever. Car stops. We change it. His spare is on belts. There's no spare. On right. It. It's, it's just on belts. It's one of those little JDM donuts that uh-huh. you're not supposed to drive over 35 on. Exactly. Oops. So if we put the spare on. <laughs> we go to crank the car, and it's the worst idle I've ever heard. Blah, 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 blah. And so we start driving, uh-huh. and it won't go over 20 miles an hour. And we're three hours from home on the interstate. Right, right, right. The, the things the homies do for other homies. Uh, all you guys went out there just no. so this one guy can no, hang wait, out with this girl. Wait for this. <laughs> How creepy is that for the girl, though? It's like meeting up with what, four dudes <laughs> in the woods. Like, I mean, she was in the woods and she told this dude to come over. I don't think she's worried about right. creepy. Yeah, you're right. She was in the woods. Oh, I agree. It was a red is, this, is this in Florida? Yeah, it is in Florida. It's in Florida. <laughs> she doesn't give a shit. Okay? No. <laughs> so. So, so, so the story gets even better than uh-huh. that. So we're driving. We finally get on the interstate and all sudden the flat the spare goes flat oh we're just in the middle of the interstate middle of nowhere we can't find anybody there's we get to one of the call boxes like it'll be an hour and a half Mm -hmm. so we just sit there and we're skating in the middle because they're big skater guys okay we're just skating in the middle of i-10 which i-10 is a major interstate it runs from the east coast to to the west coast yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so we're skating in the middle of i-10 just hanging out having a ball Uh uh-huh comes and picks us up and he doesn't have enough room in his car for or in his tow truck for all of us to fit. Uh-huh. So we sit in the Camry on the tow truck bed. Like going to the flatbed tow Hell truck. Hell yeah. I've always wanted <laughs> wait, to do wait, that. Wait, wait, wait. No, no. It gets even better. I promise. Okay. It, it gets even better. <laughs> so it's like it's like a 45-minute thing, 45-minute drive on the back of this tow bed. We're just sitting back there starting to fall asleep. And he pulls into a Walmart parking lot. Well, it's the only non-24-hour Walmart I've ever been to. Wasn't okay, open. Okay, okay. So we're sitting there in the middle. I don't even know what town. I still don't know what town it was. We're in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Like uh-huh. the worst place you want to be with a flat tire in a Walmart that's not open. We got to wait till the morning. So right. Like, All right, we're bored. And we just got desperate. Uh huh. Super desperate. There was a trailer park across the road. Okay. We went over there and started looking. And we found looking a looking for what? <laughs> just looking. No, just no. Looking. Yeah. No, we were looking. We were like, dude, we gotta get home. Okay, I gotta take home. some we gotta take somebody's spare wheel. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it's so, taking the spare. I mean that's not no, 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 no. It's still it's climbing. It's climbing. It here, still okay? gets better. Okay. So 
Swiss in there, and there is like this beater Saturn. We just take the wheel right off of it and put Shit. it on a cinder block. We literally left the car on a cinder block. Oh my oh, gosh, that's, that's rough, so funny, man. dude! The internet so is forever. So mean. I was thinking you were gonna take a spare. I yeah. thought we were too, but I they didn't. I didn't find one. Yet. <laughs> okay, which one of your buddies are we gonna blame this on? Because you were just a bystander. I'm not. I'm not. You're an accomplice. I'm not putting you're any guilty by association. I won't put. Trailer park was the set. We're really gonna get you incriminated. From a Walmart that doesn't even. I won't put any names out there, but the guy's name was Will Barnhurst. Will. <laughs> That's rough, man. That's funny. We started falling out. Not a cool kid, but man, but we did it. And How we old were you when you did this? Oh, I was like, it's like you better 17. say teen. No, it's like oh. seventeen, right. dude. If there wasn't a teen after no, that number, I was gonna judge you. Dude, he's like, I did it yesterday. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was like ten years old. Yeah. No, I, was, I think I was like seventeen or something like that. So we get the spare on, and the car still won't go over uh-huh. twenty miles an hour. So we're driving along I ten with flashers on. At 20 miles an hour. And we've right. got to go like 150 miles. That's rough. We finally roll into my house at like 5.30 a.m. Uh-huh. Sun's coming up. My dad's Gosh. like, what are you guys doing? You're like, we just had a good night. Yeah. What yeah. If no questions asked. Just we had a good the night. The person you got the, the wheel from, like what if they rolled up on you midway? I mean, it was like, in it was Florida, like three, it was like two two thirty in the morning. They'll shoot you in Florida, won't Dude, they? They will shoot you real fast. They, oh my god! We, was there any uh, substance involved in this, or just Red Bull? No, no, just no, straight. No, no. <laughs> no we were hundred percent sober when just straight happened. Florida boys. Dude, that's, just, that's what it is. Just out four guys having yeah. a ball and just making the best out of life. I'll be honest with you, man. I grew up in a small town up north, and I think I have a lot of stories just like that. Yeah. And you find cars. You're, like, hiking with friends in the middle of you don't know where you're at. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Like, if a helicopter dropped you off, you'd be screwed, oh, you know? Done. And But you find an abandoned car. I was talking to Yvette the other day, and I was like, Yvette, have you ever stabbed a car tire before with a knife? And she was like, no. See, but you said yes, right? That's what I'm saying. I was like, yo, I've stabbed a lot of car tires before. Just You just find abandoned cars, and you break windows on them, and you're just shattering windshields. Like, I've done that a bunch of times, (laughs) right? Haven't you? That's looking at me like, boys will be boys. Ronnie, well, you grew up here in the the city. North North San Diego. That's what I'm saying. Like, small... that's Small town guess. America, dude, you get away with fucking Gosh, shit. Man. You would not get away with oh, in the city. It's ruthless. It is, is ruthless. I've done well, just boredom, man. It's and like, boredom. It's like yeah. pre internet. Well, yeah. That's, that's where all the meth heads of Florida come from, or the it, backwoods. Yep. So you have nothing better to do. I'm sorry to go there, but it's true. That's well, what dude, happens. Well, dude, Calaveras has all the meth heads of Stockton yeah. in the Bay Area. Yeah, so just, it's like. You go places where there's nothing, and that's what you do to occupy your time. Bikes, right? bro. Bikes. Yeah. Well, no, let's, you need to ride let it be known I never did meth to take up my time. I've never done rocks either. I'll be honest. Too. So <laughs> that's funny. Anyways, with that being said, thank you so much, Addison's Water. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate you guys having oh, that's me on. Funny. This that's, is awesome. No, good times. Good that times. is such a good story, man. Did you guys leave the spare tire there, the donut for the Saturn? We left it in least? the Walmart parking lot. You left it in the Walmart parking yeah, lot. Like so the a, guy had no it's idea. Like a scavenger hunt. Yeah. You know what I wish they would have had back then? Now this might not have been the best thing. Okay. But I wish they had like. GoPros and like the GoPro accessories, like my my Polar Pro company that right. I work with, like I wish I had that kind of stuff back then. Dude, I say that all the time. I say in high school, what if we had iPhones? I saw Bro. so many crazy things go down within the school. One quick high school story: me and my friends were this bored. We had a water balloon launcher. Okay, I have and one of those. You have one of those. This water balloon launcher. Football games. Shot hundred and fifty yards. Yeah. We yep. would shoot water balloons across campus, and nobody knew where they. Dude, came somebody from. could die if you yeah. took one. 
one of those to the head? Uh, yeah. We, we, did, we did the same thing. We got really good at hitting. We didn't. We couldn't hit specific individuals, but we got good at hitting like groups. We were like, okay, we're going to hit the group over by the library. Oh we're going to hit the group over by the auto center. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We would just do short, like from one you know end of the quad to the other. No, no. We... It was called Operation Taste the Rainbow because we started putting Skittles in the pouch first wow. and just launching Skittles. Oh my and then gosh. all of a sudden in the quad, you hear tick, 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 And then everybody just gets Skittled, Rain, you know? So you and weren't aiming for people. You were just shrapneling. The Skittles, we weren't aiming for people. We were just launching them. But Jeez. the water balloons, we were aiming for groups. But it got so serious with the school and they didn't catch any of us what? that if they caught you with a water balloon on campus, not even with water or anything, five-day suspension, like you got in a fist wow. fight. They're like, no, we're done with this. Ziploc baggies, man. I adapt and overcome. I'm going Ziploc baggies. Wow, he just did that. He just came up with that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm a troublemaker, man. That's that lawyer status right there. Find the problem and fix it. Listen, you need Ziploc baggies, okay? That's the only way you can avoid that. Just for a sandwich, man. Why you got 20 of them? I'm hungry. Yeah. (laughs) I eat a lot of sandwiches. This is a sandwich ministry. I'm feeding the people. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Small town America. America. Anything uh, you want to touch on? Final, uh, yeah, Addison. Any uh, tips for people coming up to the fix you're seeing? Sponsors you want to thank? Tips? Anything like yeah, that? Yeah, all my sponsors. I mean, obviously, like Red Bull is one everybody knows about. State bikes, but also got a lot of bu- uh, smaller companies that 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 help me. Swiftwick socks, Polar Pro GoPro accessories. You like really high end premium GoPro accessories. Nice, nice. You see me around and with GoPros on my bike and all that, that kind of stick. stuff. Is that Polar that Pro? Selfie stick. Yeah, yeah. Is that Polar Pro? Yeah, that okay. was Polar Pro. Man. So Addison's on the uh, on the podium and he whips out a selfie. I saw yeah. photos of that. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on, it's on my Instagram, so you guys uh-huh. check it out. But um, other than that, like uh, my my glove company, Hand Up Gloves, those guys, Oakley, they all help me out in some Sweet. way or another, and I, I couldn't do what I do without them because whether it's media based, physical based, I mean, right. I need I need a well rounded collective to help me out. So right. those guys, they give me what I need, and we make life happen. But right. just just have fun with what you're doing. Don't make it out. I had one of my friends talking to me about, I, I got to figure out how to get sponsors. I'm like, no, that's not why you do this. Mm-hmm. If sponsors come along because you're doing well and you're having yeah. fun, that's awesome. Right. But you got to go out with the intention of, hey, I want to have fun doing right. this. Like, I want to win, but I want to have fun doing it at the same time. Because if you're not having fun, it's not worth it. All the sponsorship money in the world is not worth you having a terrible time doing it. Yeah. So have fun with it and let yourself shine through. And that's when people will follow you for that reason. You, people, you want people to follow you for being yourself, not for being this person that's like, oh, I have to be media based on everything. No, just right. have fun and do yourself. And things will happen the way they're supposed to happen. Everything happens for a reason. That's right. the idea we talk about pretty consistently is if you create excellence in some facet of your life, whether it's bike racing, whether it's creating websites, whether it's being a woodworker, whether mm-hmm. it's doing media, something like Cyclophy, if you create excellence, you will garner an audience. And with that audience, you can then have influence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. And with this, with what we do, I have the the amazing opportunity to meet so many different people. But one of my favorite to base that, that kind of talk is uh, Kim Perfetto, Kim nonstop. She literally, she just, she's a soul cycle spin cycle instructor, Mm -hmm. but she's really good at talking to people and explaining fitness in a way that people have fun and understand. And she's got a YouTube channel that's got like almost a hundred thousand subscribers now. So just doing what you love, you can make something special out of it. If you don't make a million dollars doing it, you're, you're having a good time, but Find what you're really good at and what you enjoy and just right. let life take it from there. Right, right, right. That's great advice. Great advice. And you have anything else, Ronnie? 
Thrive on as usual. Thrive on. Do you have any events? Do we have any events going on before we wrap it up or anything? Yes, you said the um, WCL. You want to talk about that real yeah, quick? World Cycling League. Um, Nate, something Nate Cook's been involved with. What they're trying to do is make velodrome racing appealing to the general public. So there's a point system, and it's going to be like scoring points. So multiple races, a couple dozen races over the course of the evening. It's at the Carson Stub Hub Center. So the only uh, indoor velodrome in America. It was real big in the 80s, and they're trying to build it up again. But I was actually selected to be a um, an athlete, a member of it. And there's a race this weekend, so it's going to be... Um, Friday, Saturday. So it's the 18th and the, the 19th, 18th, right? 18th and 19th mm-hmm. um, evening session. I believe it starts at 7 p.m. And then on Saturday, there's one at 1.30 and then another at 7 um, let's see, there's a little gap in the FUSAC races. Okay. So Sarah Bartlett and myself are hosting the Thrive On Crit. I believe Very that's going to nice. be April 9th um, at a, a course over uh, kind of West L.A. area. We're trying to make it easy to get to for the FUS. Very so nice. in between like downtown and Santa Monica area. We're going to be going live with the flyer here on Facebook soon. Facey. Okay. All right. Um, $10 entry. Um, let's see. You're going to have some prizes out there, swag from various sponsors. Cool. I think it's going to be an evening race, likely on a Saturday evening. So it's going to be called the Thrive On Crit. Okay. Um, any other events we can think of? We've got Red Hook coming up on April, April 30th. 30th. Um, the um, Crooked Owl Crook event Lowell. that's happening in El Paso, Texas. Don't forget for, uh, for all you uh, FUSAC guys, Mission Crit. Up in SF, the yes. weekend before Red Hook, April yep. 22nd. April mission, 22nd. Mission Crit. Next weekend, you've got Red Hook, uh-huh. uh, New York. And then the weekend after, you have Short Line in Long Beach. Yeah, it's like bam, 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 oh, back right. to back. So get fit. Um, I like to say champions are made when no one's watching. Right, right, so right. Get in your uh, your workouts, put in the miles, because it takes two to three weeks to absorb the effort. So what you do now shows up in... Uh, in about a month. I think that's a very good point. Two to three weeks to actually show your results of what you're trying to pull off. Yeah. You know, usually people, when they ride, I know it's something that I'm dealing with. Like, when I ride, I'm like, yo, I want to be better the next day. Yeah, and it's like, it's yeah. not like that. That's our culture of the uh, the microwave, you know, want results instantaneously. Right. I mean, people say, oh, how'd you get so fast? You know, what are you doing? It's like, I've been doing cardio since, you know, 20 years, two decades. Right. You know, right. grew up as a runner in middle school, ran middle school through college, mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. racing Ironman triathlons when I was like 19. Right. It's like been doing cardio for a long, long time. It's like what you see is not not overnight. And that's the beauty of it is there's no faking. Right. Like you get some some arrogant guys that come out or, or girls and they think they're just going to tear it up because mm-hmm. they look cool on Instagram. But like right. the bike and endurance sports in general are just the equalizer. There's no mm-hmm. faking. You've either done your homework or you haven't. Right. And right. Te- teachers watching. Teachers watching. Everybody's watching. <laughs> Even Addison. Are you watching Addison? Oh, man. Man, I'm always watching. I'm, just, I'm always looking out for this guy because waiting and he's going to launch that 10-lap attack on everybody. Like, <laughs> I know, I know he's, so, so there's one thing that I know in Florida, and it's triathletes and, like, it's super endurance athletes because uh-huh. Florida's got, I mean, a ton of them. Okay. It's, it's like the it's the nation's capital for triathlon stuff. Uh-huh. So I know riders like his style, and they love to just go hard, fast, for as long as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Give me uh, more than two weeks out of surgery, and I'll, I'll have you really sweating. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This guy. I mean, That'll be the most arrogant yeah, thing I ever say. <laughs> this yeah. guy's a little nuts, man. To see him out less than two weeks, but no, less than a couple of days post-surgery racing with us. Like, hey, man, you crazy, but... You're dedicated. <laughs> That's Ronnie. That's Ronnie for you. We're anyway. all addicts. We're so, socially acceptable drug addicts. With the socially acceptable drug yeah, addicts. That's, that's, that's how I see cycling, man. Yeah, I we're guess just, you could say you're that. Going after socially the drugs accept- in your own brain, serotonin, dopamine. Yep. yep. 
Let's release it. All right. Thanks for being on, Addison. I appreciate it, man. All right. Thank Drive you. On. No, thank you guys for having me. I'm stoked, and I, I can't wait to be back on next time. For we'll sure, see you at, uh, Red Hook, New York. All right. We'll see you then. Yeah. Yep. Y'all have a good one. Thanks, guys. Cool. Quieting.